to episode 104 of export audio 103 103 what pokemon is that 103 is well can we get a confirmation on which episode number it is before i guess the pokemon absolutely not pretty please absolutely not all right i'm opening the podcast 102 so the last one was 102 yes okay so 103 it's the middle of the first generation it's gonna be it's not diglett i don't think because diglett was 50 something whatever jackson's attempts on that boss were Duduo, the little the bird with two heads is it Duduo? nope is it is it it's uh ponyta nope arcanine nope um is it Victory Bell is Gen 2, I think. That's not true. Is that not true? No. Victory Bell is um, Gen 1? Yeah, Weeping Bell Victory I think that's Gen 2. Can I put in... Can I submit... Can I submit Weeping Bell and Victory Bell as guesses? You can, but you're wrong. Okay. Victory Bell, Gen 1, bitch. Okay. It's 5 foot 7. Okay. What number is that? That's cheating. Victory Bell is 71. Damn. There's okay. 150. And more to see. Yeah. To be a Pokemon Master is my destiny. And to be a Pokemon Master, I've just got to keep guessing. Um, this is torture for everyone <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> well, I it's don't... Executor. Ah, uh, that was going to be my next guess. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Have we said four? <laughs> what? I was doing the giant bomb number guessing thing. <laughs> Eleven was already said. <laughs> oh, it hurts when I laugh. That's going to be a podcast issue. That sounds like a personal problem. I don't have to worry about it. Why does your stomach hurt? Uh, they took out 12 inches of my intestine. Oh, weird. Why'd they do that? Because it was bad it was no good you had to just throw the whole thing out cast out your traitorous flesh yes exactly uh for listeners who may not know i have crohn's disease um i've been dealing with that since 2012 uh i'm actually uh very healthy right now which is why they did this um the medicine has done everything that it can do i don't have any active disease and the surgery was just to remove like scar tissue that the disease had left over the last eight years so i'm i'm in the form of 12 inches of your colon in the form of 12 inches of my colon probably only i would guess i don't know 
I would guess it was probably only like eight inches that was actually bad, but they could kind of have like a margin of error on either side. I don't know. Not this intestine. Yeah. Um, I was in the hospital for five days. Um, that was a little rough because I had initially thought it was going to be two or three and it was extra. And he told you three to five. It told me three to five, but on day two, they're like, do you want to go home? And I was like, no, I'm going to stay one more day just to make sure I'm feeling good. And then on day three, they were like, actually, we took your blood tests and we're going to need you to stay. So I'm glad that I, di- I'm glad that I didn't go home on day two because likely I would have felt like shit and either not come back or come back and gotten hospitalized again, which would have been, I think, worse than having t- than just mm-hmm. staying the whole time. But it, it was not easy, uh, especially... Uh, with COVID going on, um, I could not have visitors a lot of the time, only from like noon to eight and only one visitor per day. So if you visited, my mom couldn't visit or vice versa. So that was definitely a little rough, but, uh, I'm out now. Uh, I don't feel very good. World premiere. (laughs) Uh, I don't feel very good, but I feel a lot better. Um, my poop's been a lot better. Tell uh, us, welcome to the poop cast. I, I, we had two days where the poop was no good, uh-huh. uh, and the poop looks a lot better. That's what okay. I'll say. Cool. I, I, you, you patched it. You tightened up the graphics. And... Here, for five days, I haven't been allowed to to flush my own toilet because every time that I use the toilet, I would have to have someone else come inspect and and jot down on a chart what it looked like. So that was humiliating and degrading <laughs> and dehumanizing and necessary, yeah, unfortunately. Gotta make your poop checks. It was unfortunately necessary, but um, really just nightmarishly awful in some ways. Uh, I I might write like a piece about like what it is like to be trans and hospitalized because um, uh, the... Um, the American healthcare system, and I would imagine healthcare systems across the globe, um, just have a lot of institutional transphobia that really, uh, I just don't think people know about. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that like a lot of able-bodied trans people know about it. I there are a lot of disabled trans folks who don't get hospitalized for whatever. Um, Stuff they do. And I certainly think that cis people don't know about, like, what it is like to be queer and hospitalized. And so I might write something about that soon because, like, it's been on my mind a lot. And I think it's interesting. And I think people would probably read it, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate because I would rather just write about Final Fantasy VIII and get clicks. But What is there to say about Final Fantasy VIII? It's the best video game. Okay, what else is there to say about Final Fantasy VIII? They're never going to make a better one. They never have. You're rehashing your first point. Do you have anything new to add to the conversation? Uh, I'm shining a flashlight in your face. I feel like uh, the junction system in that game is pretty complicated and um, interesting and allows for a lot of interesting things you could do. And I wish some other RPG developer would um, pick that up because Square's never going to do anything with it ever again because that's Square always wants to do a new battle system every time. And unfortunately, no other uh, RPG developer is going to say, hey, I really like Junctions. I'm going to just take that and try to iterate on it in my own game. Because I also think Junctions have a lot of 
problems as cool as I think they are, and I wish... Let me we, tell you about gambits. I wish they could be iterated. I wish gambits could be iterated on. This is the problem, is that Square is never going to make another Final Fantasy twelve, and so... You're just never going to get a game that plays like Final Fantasy XII again, which is unfortunate because I'm given to understand that Final Fantasy XII is very fun to play. And it will just... Ne- no one's ever going to make it. For Gambit specifically, it seems like a... That is probably a very costly system, I feel like. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Final Fantasy XIV plays really cool. You know what? There are a million games that play just like it. Because World of Warcraft is the biggest game ever. Do you think... What do you think is making more money in 2020? Minecraft or WoW? And do you think that it's gone up or down in the last year? Because obviously, I would assume a huge part of Minecraft money is merch. This is what I was going to say. Because my first thought was, well, WoW... Because Minecraft is a one-time purchase. And granted, lots of people one-time purchase on several different like consoles. There are a lot of people who have Minecraft on their Xbox and their PC. The reason that I'm PS4. not that I haven't gotten into like, oh, I'll hop into Minecraft and play with some friends or something or set up a server is because I paid it for it in twenty eleven. I don't want to buy it for thirty dollars in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I wish I still had the account from 2011. Yeah, same with when me. When it was eight dollars, and same. then he was. It was a big deal when it went up to fifteen. I, I remember this. I remember this because I probably bought it when it was fifteen dollars. And yeah, I just I don't have access to that account anymore. Nor do I have any particular interest in it. I, Minecraft is just not the type of game that I like. Unfortunately, I guess it would. It's probably easy to pirate Minecraft. It's, I recall pirating Minecraft circa 2011. It probably hasn't been that much different since 2011. Speaking of piracy, I downloaded the Marathon Trilogy last night. Tell me about the Marathon Trilogy. Which is just open source. Oh. Not by way of the devs, but it is endorsed by the devs. There's a website where you can just download Windows versions of these Mac games. Here's a question. Um, Is Marathon... What... Is Marathon like a Doom where it's not 3D, but they fake it to look 3D? Or is it actually a 3D game? They look like polygons that you're walking in, but when you look down, it sort of stretches. Okay. In a weird way that I don't know. I couldn't. I don't know the specifics of how they made this game, but it certainly seems to be textures on 3D models. But the, the up and down looking specifically looks weird and like warps the screen in a weird way that I can't describe. Mm-hmm. Um, that game just starts. You're just standing in a hallway. There's no opening. There's yeah, no this title is, card. That's the incredible thing about like Doom, which I I have not played. Beca- I have not played Doom because I don't care for the controls. Doom has like difficulty settings, but Doom st- has like new in- game difficulty settings. Bam. No, well, yeah. But it also, like, level select. That's true. There's so much more, like, infrastructure around, or scaffolding around the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it's like, play new, like, start new game, load previous game. There's also, like, I think it might, it says last movie. Um, and I don't know if that means, like, 
I don't know what that means, because the manual seemed to imply that it would record your gameplay. Hmm. Which is weird, and I don't believe that. But... It's an FPS. There's no tar- there's no reticule, which so that's weird. I don't like that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little weird, but you know, I don't like that. And I'm the person that just played Metroid Prime with the GameCube controls that no one likes on not even a GameCube controller. I played it on my eight bit dough, like SN thirty whatever thing it's called. Um, people don't like those controls, and people really don't like those controls if you play it on like a Wii U Pro controller. But that's what I did. And I love that. Uh, playing a FPS without a reticule sounds hellish. It's fine. The sounds like it would give me motion you sickness. And you go click, 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 click. Um, it's also it's a game that has like multiplayer in the in the classic sense. Like it's probably just going to be like a death match. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this version of that game works in multiplayer. I haven't looked into it, but. Remember when multiplayer was just like, we made a map, we dropped you into it, have fun, you know? That's literally what multiplayer games still are. I know, but now there's leveling. I mean, it depends on what game you play. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm just ah. being cynical. I'm just being cynical. Yeah, like... I just miss... I, I, played, I spent a summer playing Jedi Outcast... And there's no game that has multiplayer like Jedi Outcast. There's no game that has multiplayer like Battlefront 2 anymore. Um, Battlefront 2 came out just last year. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Did Battlefront 2 come out last year or two years ago? Can't recall now. I don't know. Um, Tyler Ren was in it. Jeff <sighs> Maul was in it. It's weird that Adam Driver's in a video game. Is it? It's not weird. It may it would make all the sense in the world in in two thousand four. It doesn't make any sense in two thousand twenty. Adam Driver will be in video games long after he no longer looks like Adam Driver. Right, because they just own his face. Same with Hayden Christensen. Unfortunately, no one's putting Hayden Christensen in video games because they're all is, cowards. Is Anakin in Battlefront too? Let's look. Let's find <laughs> out what uh. Um, M, you're great. M has a very funny bit that they're doing where they can't rem- where they quote unquote can't remember what part of my body they took out, and so they keep saying a different thing every time. It's just very funny and warms my heart. Yeah, it looks like he's in there. Oh, can you turn the computer my way? I can copy the image to you. Yeah, send me the image, even because we're sitting at like ninety degree angles from each other, listeners, and so it's. Difficult. Um, uh, well, they put Anakin in it, is what I'll say. That is identifiably Anakin and not identifiably Hayden Christensen. Do you yeah. do you think they lost the rights to Hayden Christensen's face? Did they ever have them? Let's look at, like, Battlefront 2 from back in the day. Here's the thing, is that this version of Anakin from New Battlefront 2 is Anakin in costume and hair, but he looks like a femboy. 
This looks more like him. I just sent you that one. Okay. He looks, looks he looks like a femboy doing cosplay of Anakin. He does look like that. Um at Anakin Skywalker. I'm sure that's somebody real. And don't hurt don't I don't Don't harass them. We don't have fans or listeners rather who we don't have fans. We don't have listeners who harass people. We're not giant bomb. <laughs> um, what year did Battlefront Two come out? Twenty eleven. No, nope. no, that's not true. Twenty eighteen. I'm trying to find the original one. God, remember when they like had microtransactions and then took them out and like put them back in or something? God. Uh, here's an article from PC Gamer talking about adding Anakin to Battlefront 2. He's arriving in the Chosen One update, and I assume he's the pre-Youngling murder version of Anakin, so he'll be doing good <laughs> things like killing robots and fighting Count Dooku. Excuse you? Why does nobody ever ask? So here's what he looked like. In in two thousand five. Oh, caveman. <laughs> the this is also not identifiably Hayden Christensen, I would say. Um Well, what do you think? Why does nobody ever ask whether the um younglings just had bad vibes? <laughs> the younglings might have had bad vibes. That's not Hayden Christensen. That that is Christopher Lee though. You can't do Dooku without looking like Christopher Lee. The Clone Wars cartoon tries to not make him look like Christopher Lee. You will try. <laughs> Shit. Hurt myself just now. Um, speaking of Battlefront 2, Nora, what are your four games of the generation? Dead Space on iOS. Okay. <laughs> Minecraft. Uh-huh. Alpha. Uh, <laughs> Mortal DC Universe. Uh huh. Uh huh. Naturally. Lair. Kind of a boring list. Kind of normy of you. <laughs> um, I was looking at this generation, and I have no real clue what I would put. So there's a there's a meme going around right now of what are your four ten out of ten games of this console generation. This console generation being kind of nebulous because the PS4 and Xbox One came out in late 2013. Um, for my purposes, I've been trying to figure this out for myself. The um, Wii U came out in late 2012. Yes. So, for my purposes, I've been defining this loosely as 2014 onward because I looked at a list of games that came out in 2013 and they all looked like garbage. But keep in mind the 3DS came out in like 2011. The 3DS... There's probably a 3DS game that I might be able to put on this list if I really like put my mind to it. Um, Castlevania Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate. The problem for me... The problem for me is that like there are games that I liked... Um, this generation was really, and this is, 
The PS3 and the Xbox 360 had this a lot, but I feel like this generation has really been dominated in a huge way by re-releases, remasters, and remakes, which I'm not going to make a quality judgment about that, but for my making my games of the generation list, like, how do I feel about putting Shadow of the Colossus remake on there? Because Shadow of the Colossus is better than almost any game that came out this generation, but also, like... I'm just putting a PS2 game above all of these, you know? Like, Are you going to put Fire Emblem Awakening on your list? Fire Emblem Awakening, very personally important. I don't know that it cracks this list. That's what, like, nobody's qualifying this list. Like, am I supposed to say four 10 out of 10s, like, these are the most Noracore games? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to say these are my four favorites? Or these are four games I think are the the most important of the generation or like the best outside of my taste of the generation pyre is like one of my favorite games of the generation probably if i was gonna make this list it would be like at five or six so i don't know that it makes the cut for this tweet but i don't think it is like a 10 out of 10 game because i think that like i don't like the music as much as i like the music in bastion um i think the like some of the sports versus the AI gets a little repetitive um, in the like at some point. I think that the multiplayer could be more fully fleshed out. Like, I don't think that's a ten out of ten game, but also I like Pyre a lot. Pyre's great, you know. Um, this is why the real thing to do, as always, is what's your four favorite games of the last generation. Oh, what's your four favorite game? A more of the fun, seventh generation. Yeah, a more fun, a more fun meme would be uh, what's your four favorite games of the PS3 360 generation? Because also that was a better generation of console games. I don't know about that. Consider that would include the DS. Okay. I just the DS is your favorite console, from what I understand. So I don't think that's true. Um. You, I guess you did say earlier today that the PS2 was your favorite console. I said the PS2 is the greatest, okay. like, historically, and, like, I think it's still the highest-selling console ever. Is that not... I believe that is true. Um, I think that by sheer density of... Every like, game came out on the PS2. Sheer density of games that influenced dev and, and future games, mm-hmm. like the dev side and, like, fan side... I think PS2 is like that's fair. The big one. That's fair. I would maybe go SNES for that. For that, but okay, I f- okay, boomer. Like yeah, no, I, I like I. The only reason I'm saying <laughs> I would maybe go with SNES for that is that I want to have like a, a counter argument. The real reason that SNES is that over PS2. Um, is a very cynical thing. A very in my. Well, the thing I'm about to say is very cynical. The reason that the SNES stands a chance in that argument is because we live in a society, mm-hmm. uh, and that society is rehashing, yeah, like the late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. It's well, getting into early '90s, but it's like rehashing that specific type of thing into perpetual childhood for adults mm-hmm. is part of the reason that I think the SNES still hangs around in that specific way obviously a lot of super nintendo games are still really good that's not what i'm talking about i'm gonna get up to go to the restroom real quick but i'm gonna make one point 
to agree with you, which is also that, like, history is written by the victors, you know, and I would say that, like, the SNES is pretty, like, unequivocally the more, like, better-remembered console over the the Genesis, and I think that helps it a lot, you know? Yeah, it's just that, like, in, this, in terms of, like, it having an impact on, like, the culture, today, currently, it is in that space of, like, hey, do you remember... X, Y, and Z. Yoshi's Island. Those, a lot of those games are still great, mm-hmm. but like people aren't making those games; they're just re-releasing those games. That's true. People are making Octopath Traveler. That does look more like a PS One game. So we're talking about games of the generation. Um, yeah, for me, just the big struggle, and I'm gonna lean a little closer to the mic here. Um, the for me, the big struggle is just that yeah, like a lot of my favorite stuff, a lot. Well, one like my relationship to video games just totally deteriorated and became garbage this generation. Mm-hmm. Um. Two, capital and the structure of the video games industry has made it so that they produce fewer video games that fit my interests, which is single-player games that are not open-world. I I just don't care for open-world games a lot of the time. I'm not totally closed off to them, but it's definitely not my preferred genre. Um, So get into shooters. Yeah. (laughs) Get that Call of Duty. I, so, Titanfall 2 Mm. is hypothetically a game that I would really love. Half-Life 2 was, once upon a time, one of my favorite games. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of affection for that genre. I like Resistance 3 a lot. I think Resistance 3 is, like, an underrated classic. Um, Is Resistance or Killzone the ones where the Nazis are good, actually? I, I think that's recall. Killzone. I think that's Killzone, but I don't recall. Um, I have, like, a sixth-hand recollection of... Like, Titanfall 2... Titanfall 2 got a lot of praise for its campaign, and to me, it just feels like, oh, no one's made a game that's like Half-Life 2 in ten years, because there was a time where every game was like Half-Life 2 to some extent, and there wasn't. Um, and... But, but 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 anyway, I'm distracted from the point of I tried playing Titanfall 2 and uh, a, a video game where you run around using a bunch of fancy military equipment doing military fetishism stuff makes me physically ill. Mm-hmm. Just like... Titanfall 2 made them have to cut your guts open. <laughs> Titanfall 2 just... Like, I... So, I don't like open-world games. I don't like military games, you know? I would very much like, in, and I don't know how feasible this is, 
But I would very much like in 2021 to just not play any video games where I use a gun, you know? Um, in 2020, the only one I can think of is Metroid Prime, where it's kind of abstracted sci-fi gun. And you're shooting animals, not people, so it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. Also, you are shooting people. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, you are shooting people. Um, but yeah, like, I just... I don't, I don't care about multiplayer. That's just my preference. I don't... My brain has a block where I don't want to spend extra money on a game, and so, like, I don't want to, like buy free to play stuff and do microtransactions which i don't have i'm not trying to make any value judgment on those things or the people who like those things like you know uh molly plays grand blue and like that's just not the type of game i like it's got all it's got like eight of the things that i just said i don't like well, gotchas are a whole different thing right um and like it's just not the, the thing that is to my taste you know and it's not a judgment on any of these types of mechanics. It is just my preference is single-player games um, that are not open-world, that are generally level-based, and the, people make a lot fewer of those games. And also, I haven't played some of those games. I played Dishonored. I haven't played Dishonored 2. You know? Let me tell you about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I should play that. I should play Sekiro. What it, it's so level-based that there are four levels, and you can go through them multiple times from different directions oh. and find hidden objects within. Um, this, is, this is the other thing, is that my relationship to video games just kind of has collapsed this generation to where I would Sekiro would easily be one of my four games of the generation. Haven't played it yet. Um... Dark Souls 3 probably would be in that conversation. Haven't played that one. Um, Dishonored 2, haven't played that. Uh, Hollow Knight, haven't played that. Also not good at 2D platformers, would probably get really pissed off, but that's beside the point. I would like Hollow Knight if I was any good at it. Or got Shovel Knight. I did play Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's really good. I played like five minutes of it. Shovel Knight is like the one... I think Shovel Knight is the one time in my life, the only time in my life, that I was like, no, I'm just going to play this. Like, I'm garbage at this, I'm fucking dog shit at it, but I'm just going to get myself to play it, because Shovel Knight is very good. <laughs> is everyone excited for the upcoming uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X Shovel Knight ports? I'm sure Yacht Club... They're not going to not do it. <laughs> Yacht Club... Here's the other thing that I didn't know until they'd mentioned it on an episode of uh, Waypoint Radio. They have just kept making Shovel Knight. Like, Yacht Club yeah. Games has not made other games because they just keep making Shovel Knight. I don't know how they're making any money off of that, but good on them, honestly. Um, like, y'all hit on something like gold, but might as well... Like, that's a, that is an idea that I'm really interested in. It was like, we just kept developing this one single-player, like platformer for years. I mean, they've made multiple games yeah. worth of content just through calling it, like, this is the DLC chapter where you play as Plague Knight or whatever Yeah, the Plague, the Plague Knight expansion and the... I miss expansions. Where, when is Undernight? Undernight Inbirth? 
Yeah, in Hollow Knight. The Under Knight. Oh. It's wordplay. Oh, I see. Put Hollow Knight in Shovel Knight. Um, have a repeat of the that time when all the indie games had their characters in each other's games. God, I miss it. Remember when Commando Video was in Super Meat Boy? That's what. I, that's the shit I do like. Remember, Remember when Commander Video was in video games? <laughs> Remember when Commander Video was in good video games? Because apparently they've made Bit Trip Runner three, but um, I played it. I played like the first level. I mean, I played it in front of you recently. Yeah, you did. You did. Not knowing that the first world uh, is called Foodland, and I was playing it the day you were fasting before the surgery. I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Um, uh, Bit Trip Runner is super good. For the 3DS, I have a collection that is, like, all the Bit Trip games before Bit Trip Runner 2, because I feel mm-hmm. like Runner 2 is kind of where the series Runner fell 2 apart. Runner 2 is a different thing. Runner 2 is bad. That's how it's different, is that it's bad. And I, so I have a thing for, um, on the 3DS that collects all the previous games, and I like all the games before Runner, but Bit Trip Runner is... One of the best video games. Pit Trip Runner um, is just fucking phenomenal, I think. I, which really just says I should probably play Res or something. Like, I should play... I don't play many rhythm games, but Bit Trip Runner and Rhythm Heaven are, like, both in my top 15 games. I don't talk about this much, but Rhythm Heaven might be, like, a top 10 video game. I forget about it half the time, but when I do think about it, I'm like... They don't make games better than Rhythm Heaven. Uh, other than they keep making Rhythm Heaven, and it seems like it's just more of Rhythm Heaven, um, which is great. They oh. should never stop making Rhythm Heaven. Um, Rhythm Tengoku, if you like. Uh, if you're a GBA freak. I don't like... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I remember something I was going to ask you. What year did... Could you look for me? What year did Animal Crossing New Leaf come out? Because if it came out, like, in this generation, I, easy, easily one of the games of generation for me, and I can stop having to think about this. I mean, it was on the 3DS, right? Yeah, I just... What then year it's did, this generation. What year did the 3DS come out? I think 2011. Okay, then yeah, I guess... 3DS is this generation. Yeah, it's. Li- I literally I know. showed you on the Wikipedia page that it's part of this generation. Okay, well then, yeah. Animal Crossing is going to be my four, and uh, problem solved. It was announced in 2010 mm-hmm. and released in uh, early 2011. So 2011 is a 3DS. The XL was one year later. 2011 is a 3DS. 2012 is the... Um, Wii U, and then 2013 is the Xbox. So yeah, I guess yeah. Okay, I am now convinced. I don't know. I'm looking I'm at psychotic. the. I'm looking at the camera. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking a lot. Um, video games. Do you have more to say about video games? I was going to ask, what are your? Do you want to do your for real? Did four? you finish your four? I don't know if I said my four. I was going to tweet my four, um, which is going to probably be. Animal Crossing New Leaf, um, Bloodborne, Tacoma, and Quadrilateral Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I might swap Tacoma with PT. That's the one I'm on the fence about. Um, 
I wish PT was still a game I could play because I feel like I would be less high on it now in 2020 than I was at the time. But playing PT was like with a couple of friends was such a unique experience that I've never had since, you know, and probably never will because I'm never going to play a game that disappears in the way that that game did, you know? And you're never going to be able to recognize the Walking Dead guy by its hands. God. <laughs> Have I told this story on the podcast? Surely I've told this story on the podcast. I, um... So, my friends had all played PT, and I came over... It was like... PT was 2014, right? That sounds right? Uh... Yeah, because... Metal Gear Solid Five was 2015, I remember. Anyway. 2014, August. Yeah, so... I was I would have played PT like probably in the fall or Christmas break of my first year of college and so I was meeting up with some high school friends who I hadn't seen in a couple months and they were like they had all played PT I didn't have a PS4 at the time so I had not played PT by the time I played PT it was already a game that didn't exist mm-hmm. so I might not have played it till like a year or two later honestly because I don't know when that game stopped existing but I know that I played it after it stopped existing um and we were playing it and i knew what the twist was i just hadn't mentioned it you know um but my friends thought that i didn't know that it was playable trailer my friends didn't know that i knew playable teaser playable teaser pt was gone within a year okay it was came out in august and then was delisted in uh may 2015 so that makes sense. I would have played it after my first year of college, you know. No, it went. It was delisted in April, and then starting in May, you couldn't re-download it. Okay, then yeah, I would have played it in like May of 2015. Um, my friends didn't know that I knew what the deal what the deal with it was, and so we're playing. And you get to the scene where you go to the bathroom and you wash your hands. I'm like, oh, those are Norman Reedus's hands, and they were like, what? And I was like. Those are Norman Reedus's hands. Like, how do you recognize his hands like that? And I was like, I, I, I don't recognize his hands. I just know that this is a Silent Hill thing. And they're like, oh. They were all shocked that I could just... They thought I watched so much Walking Dead, which I've <laughs> never seen. Um, they I thought, watched one episode of Walking Dead once. I've probably seen two episodes. I'd like my 44 minutes back. Yeah. Uh, I've... I've seen the first episode, and I've probably seen two more, just because I was living in a dorm and people would watch it. I know my mom watched it. Um, yeah. Um, Amazing Spider-Man on 3DS. I'm just looking at 3DS games. So that's my four. Do you have your four? They put Tales of the Abyss on the 3DS? They put Tales of the Abyss on the... Did that come to the US? Important question. Yeah. Weird. November 2011. Huh. No, uh, North America, February 2012. Okay, but it did come to the U.S. I didn't know that. I did not know that. That's weird. Um. But they, but it's not Symphonia, so why do I care? Uh, Berseria looks really good. I'm playing Vesperia right now. I started playing Vesperia in the hospital. That game's really good. I don't have anything to say about it, but... Yeah. Shrug. That's the thing that I like about it. You're already it. farther than I was. 
Um, do you want to do your four? I feel like I've been talking a lot more, and I want to make space for you. I don't know what my four are. How do you feel about this console generation? Like, what are your feelings? What are your feelings looking back at the PS4? I have no fucking clue. Halfway through it, my entire sense of identity got shattered, so... Yeah. Shrug. Hmm. At least once. So, like, 2010 to 2016 is one generation for me, and then 2016 to 2020 is a completely different thing. I can see that. In 2016, I was like, yeah, I love Shin Megami Tensei 4 and Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you asked me in 2017, what are when I started to transition, uh, what are the games of the generation, it would have been Nier Automata and Life is Strange near the top of that list. I still like Nier Automata more than any of my friends do, but uh, I def- everybody's helped me to see that maybe Nier Automata is not not as good as I think it is. Um, because it's nothing's good or bad. Live in the filth. That's true. But like <laughs> I don't know. It's like all my friends complain about Nier Automata and every time they do, I'm just like, Yeah, I you're think absolutely right. Our friends mainly complain about two things. Mm-hmm. Yokotaro's writing mm-hmm. and the fandom around Yokotaro's writing. Yes, but <laughs> I was one of those Yokotaro fandom people. At least you would... never said, what if Yokotaro made Final Fantasy? I always knew that would be bad. I always knew that would be a terrible idea. <sighs> what if Yokotaro made Dirge of Cerberus specifically? The, pro- the problem with... That would be great. <laughs> nope, not Final Fantasy. That would be... Actually, Yokotaro <laughs> Just... making... Like a third-person shooter RPG... Sorry, I'm I'm transcending. I'm 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 ascending to a higher plane. Yoko Taro making Dirge of Cerberus remake, which is <laughs> shut the fuck up. What if the next FF7 remake isn't even FF7? They just do a different game. <laughs> Dur- Yoko Taro doing Crisis Core remake because if you're gonna remake FF7, you have to also remake the compilation to create. To, to bake an apple pie, you must first create the universe. And they replace... Angeal? Genesis. They replace Genesis... What's his name? Who? The actor who plays Genesis. Gact. They replace Gact with Yoko Taro. The man? Yes. So he just has the Emil head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is, there it is, there it is. They replace... You're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You do Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Remake that, much like Final Fantasy VII Remake, is changing around plot elements of the original. And one of the changes around plot elements is that... If they want to go bankrupt, they can make another movie. They don't have to make a bad video game. (laughs) I'm going to grab my sprite from the desk real quick. Because my throat hurts. So what are you for? I don't know... I don't know. What are video games? Do I like video games? I don't. I mean, like... I started this generation as, like, a Kojima stan. Mm-hmm. Um... There was a time when I would have said, oh yeah, Phantom Pain, uh, 
fucking... I don't know. What did I like? If you made a top ten... I don't know. If you, There if was you... a time when my f- top four would be like, well, Life is Strange, Oxenfree, Firewatch, and Phantom Pain, or something like that. I was one of those idiots who didn't like Firewatch at the time. I realize now that Firewatch is great, but I did not like Firewatch's ending because it felt so anticlimactic, and I realize now that that's what they were going for. Um, I liked Firewatch a lot, and it was there were some bits that where I was like, oh, I'm like, this is making, I'm nervous about this. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be a spooky game, but there is like an intensity happening here. Um, yeah, in a very different way than um, Gone Home was scary to me in a because it felt like you were in a haunted house at times you know i never played gone home but i did watch some let's plays of it uh over the years uh somebody was it somebody did like a like a uh, was there like a speed run of gone home or like a Mm -hmm. like a did they add funny achievements to gone home or something like that there there are speed runs of gone home um, but, like, I remember specifically a Giant Bomb video talking about this, and I don't remember what the subject matter was. Um, Something like, oh, you picked up a tape achievement. Um, I know for myself that, um, actually, here's something that I need to ponder for my four games of the generation, is that I was initially not counting Gone Home because it was in, that game came out before the PS4 came out um, on PC. Fuck PC games. You'll never be able to sort them into generations like this, you know? But it did come out... It came out in, like, 2012 or 2013 on PC, and then 26... It, the first console release was 2016 for PS4 and Xbox. Mm-hmm. So I might count that, and that might... That might make my top four... My top four... Like, I might... I don't know. The, the one that I would punt off is Tacoma, but Tacoma is better than Gone Home, so I don't know. Tacoma's great. People do not talk about Tacoma, but it's great. Um, Tacoma's like the one game that I have ever pre-ordered and played the night that it came out, and um, it was worth that, because it's fucking Tacoma. I guess my games of this generation... fucking know what if i spent the last decade playing oh here i was gonna ask you something and then if you're feeling like you don't have a good answer for this i might have another segment we can do or it's 4 30 if you want to just start getting ready for work we can wrap it up after anyway i want to ask you questions if you made a top 10 games of this generation would death stranding be on it no that's what i thought i just wanted to check why i just like i like that's how that's how Kojima has fallen for us, you know. Nobody's played Death Stranding. Unfortunately, many people have played Death Stranding. You wouldn't know. Um. Okay. Well, Film Crit Hulk is still writing about it, so yeah. Um. I don't want to speak for you. I don't know when you want to get ready for work, but it's not a concern. Well, I'm just thinking. I feel like maybe we're running out of Steam talking about video games. 
we want to talk about Gideon the Ninth, but that might be a long thing. I'm, you know, whatever. I feel like I have a lot to say. Um, do you want me to do these four questions that we got uh, on Twitter? Sure. From Kim, which uh, sci-fi fantasy authors do you think would have the best bedside manner as a doctor? Um, or a nurse, or a nurse. I added on the as a doctor thing, so. Orson Welles. Orson Welles did not write science fiction or fantasy. Is that true? He directed movies, for the most part. I don't that think he wrote... counts. One, I don't think any of his... <laughs> I don't think any of his movies Why were... did I think of Orson Welles? Am I thinking you, of someone else? You were thinking of Orson Scott No, I Card. wasn't. You just had... Um, H.G. Wells? No, he's probably a prick. He's from the 19th century, so yeah. Um, I assume anyone from the 19th century is awful. Except Mary Shelley, who I assume has depression. I don't know who I was thinking of, then. Um... How did, okay, Brandon? No. Tamson Muir? I don't know anything about that person. Me neither. Um, George Lucas? Not an author. Well, bitch. I guess he's an author. I, he has ghostwritten so many books. <laughs> uh, I'm looking over at my shelf here. I'm like squinting at it because I'm at a weird I mean, angle. I feel like Le Guin would be... Le Guin would be pretty normal. Yeah. Le Guin would take your vitals. Le Guin would be a great tech, uh, at the, because she would take your vitals and just leave you be because she would recognize that you want to be alone, you know, or that you don't want to socialize. Um, I don't have any answers for this, but I do think it would be funny if you made like. Chris Avalon be a nurse for a day or like just made him do that and like put all the demands of that type of job on him I just think that would be fun to do do you think if he had the training do you think Tolkien would be a good doctor I mean he is a doctor yeah well do you think he would be a good medical doctor probably I don't know I feel like Tolkien would be good as like a GP I feel like you would, um... I feel like Tolkien would get, um, would become a very specialized practitioner of medicine. Mm. See, I was thinking, I guess I'm imagining Tolkien as Tom Bombadil. Um, it's just like, you go see him, and you're like, I'm feeling all under the weather, like, I've got this cough, and my stomach's been, like, just killing me all the time, and he would just give you a weed prescription and send you on your way, but he's not Tom Bombadil, that's, he's yeah, that's the man who... Yeah, that's a fictional ra- character. <laughs> um, yeah. You know who I bet has the worst? Hmm. C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. I feel like... C.S. Lewis will t- show you pictures of dogs. <laughs> and not shut up about his fucking kids. Oh my god. That lady like, was like, really roasting video games today by saying that <laughs> all the Switch games are on the Wii U. It's just the same games in a different box. The, the, the nurse that Nora... Well, that I was... 
I was complaining about a nurse today, and the Nora got here for her second rant, which was much funnier than her first rant, which is that her daughters keep begging her for a, for a Switch, and she's just like, well, the Wii U's the same thing. It's just got the tablet, and you just play it on the tablet, and she's just, I just have to pay $300, and then, like, $50 for all the games. Like, you already have Mario. Why do you need a new Mario? You already have Zelda. Why do you need a new Zelda? Um, what's the next question? Next question is... From Regs, does your abdomen feel less full, or are you just in general pain and discomfort? Just general pain and discomfort. This was a terrible podcast question, Regs. (laughs) Um, From Mish, have either of you watched anything enjoyable lately for non-podcast reasons? Uh, In the hospital, I watched the first five episodes of Hannibal, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't watch things for podcasts. I read things for podcasts. I play games and talk about them on the podcast. I actually, I don't have a ton of podcast homework other than on export because we don't have a topic. I just kind of talk about everything I'm reading, watching, and playing. But yeah, as far as stuff I've watched, I started Hannibal, which I really uh, am enjoying. Uh, it took me a couple episodes to kind of figure out what the what that show was in some ways, and I kind of suspect season two will be better because the show will also know what it is, but um, Hannibal is good. I haven't watched anything. That's fair. Um, Shrug. I've just been watching VTubers. We Yeah, we've been watching a lot of... You've been watching a lot of VTubers. I have only watched VTubers with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fun. Yeah. You've shown me Gouda, and you've shown me Ina. Ina might be low-key my fave. It might I might be influenced by knowing that Ina has lower subscriber numbers than the other Hololive girls. Um, I also like Calliope the best, because she's the very awkward rapper, um, and she's been playing Doom Eternal. And so, now I'm watching her play Doom Eternal, and I'm like, I could play Doom. I could go for some Doom. So... Calliope is the um, Grim Reaper girl, and she's awkward. She's awkward. Ina is quiet, which I like. I like I like Dia's Let's Plays, which are very like lo-fi, chill, like relaxed. And Ina, um, Ina of the Hollow Live streamers is the closest to Dia, but Ina does not have Dia's cutting wit and no. uh, funniness. Um, and Gouda is, like, I feel like Gouda is very, like, a very common brand of streamer where she's just gonna, like, laugh and have fun, and, like, she's just very upbeat, and she's pretending not to understand game mechanics to piss off the audience. Um, uh, that's very rare. But she did it that one stream I watched, which I thought was very Am funny. Am I knowing you yet? Click, 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 click. Yeah. She's playing horror games and just, like, screaming as she gets scared. And the really fun part is sometimes when she's playing the horror games and she turns on the auto-tuna. <laughs> so that when she screams, it becomes auto-tune. Um, and then, I guess nobody talks about the chicken or Amelia. Fuck em. <laughs> Which one's Amelia? Amelia is Amelia Watson. 
Amelia, what's up? She looks cute. She's cute. I don't... She's I, got huge tits and she makes lots of sex jokes. I didn't know that. Uh, I think of um, the Phoenix one as the one with huge tits. Even though Calliope also has huge tits. You no, know, Calliope has the hugest tits. Um, uh, the chicken I have heard is pretty cute, but like... I don't know that she's playing anything that I want to watch. Amelia played a lot of Valorant, um, which has also led to a lot of clips of her just uh, screaming at her teammates and like being very toxic. <laughs> um, I just, I don't, I don't. What's what's the chicken's name? Kiara. I don't like Kiara's design very much. It's not very interesting. It's not... I, I just like Ina and Gouda and Calliope's designs better. Yeah. Those are the best. Those are the best ones. Um, I saw some clips of Kiara playing Minecraft that were cute. Yeah, yeah. Those were cute. Um, I, once again, as discussed earlier, I just don't care about Minecraft. I don't really want to watch people play Minecraft. I don't want to play Minecraft. And it's not out of any hatred of Minecraft. It's just that I don't care I don't really care, except that it would be an interesting and different multiplayer thing for me. Uh, a way of hanging out with people. But I can't because I'm not going to pay $30 for Minecraft. Oh, I also have a problem with Minecraft where those spiders scare the devil out of me. Those, really? those spiders are really scary in that game for me. It's the sounds they make more than anything. The look... I could get accustomed to. I, I hate the sounds that they make. It's awful. But, um... What is the difference between Minecraft Java Edition and Minecraft Windows 10 Edition? Probably one of those is better. Probably the Windows 10 Edition is newer and better. Oh, they really changed what what Minecraft is, huh? Oh, have they? How so? Um, because it goes like, choose your machine, uh, click com uh, PC. What platform? PC, Mac, Linux, PC, Java Edition, or, or Minecraft? If you click Minecraft, there's two versions. I got two versions. Starter Collection for $29.99. Master Collection for $49.99. Starter has base game, 700 mine coins, two skin packs, no. one texture pack, one mashup pack, one world. I don't know what any of that shit is. No. But there's fake money in there. I did. I should have known there would be fake money. All this time, I just assumed you bought Minecraft and played it. Like and then back if you the wanted skins, you modded them in, like like back in the day. Can you not mod in skins now? I anything? assume you still can. Surely you still can. There's also Minecraft Dungeons. There's also that Telltale Minecraft. I think every QTE in the Telltale Minecraft game is fake. And it just keeps going. If that's, you don't. That's cute. I think maybe even dialogue will just keep going if you don't push anything. That's cute. Um, Catch our journal updated on Minecraft. <laughs> um, Tell me about Gideon the Ninth. 
Or do you have a fourth question? Oh, we do have a fourth question from M, which is just, what does it feel like to be down a kidney? Feels great. Oh, okay. Uh, Gideon the Ninth. How did you like all those lesbian necromancers? Do you have the book? Do you have the book? I want to grab the book. Uh, it's in the other room. I'm going to grab the book real quick. So getting in the ninth. Uh, okay. <sighs> so getting in the ninth is a book that came out, I think, last year. Let me just check real quick. 2019. 2019. September 2019. So just over a year ago. I'm going to read from you, to you, from the inside cover of Gideon the Ninth. Tamsin Mears, Gideon the Ninth, unveils a solar system of swordplay, cutthroat politics, and lesbian necromancers. Her characters leap off the page as skillfully animated arcane revenants. The result is a heart-pounding epic science fantasy. None of that is really what I would describe this book with lesbian necromancers is in every description of this every every tweet every tweet every description every time you hear about it on a podcast this book has been huge and i don't think it's been sold as the representation i mean read the quote on the front of the book Lesbian necromancers explore a, ha- explore a haunted gothic palace in space. Decadent nobles vie to serve the deathless emperor. Skeletons. The This book has been sold as very epic. In, in the sort of 2010 sense of the word. <laughs> um, this book has been sold as the representation in a lot of ways. Not necessarily as hardly by... As hard by, like, the author as it has been the readership. Mm-hmm. This has been sold as a very fandom book. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And I like this book a lot. I think, um... I like this book a lot. I don't know that I have ever had a book so oversold to me <laughs> uh, because everybody's excited about the lesbian necromancers. Um, no one... No one ever said what those necromancers were doing in the book. And I think it's because... Should I... Do I want to try and do criticism? Do I, do I want to try and do criticism that people can listen to without reading the book first, or should we just start diving into spoilers? Like, do we just want you to... want to give a shot from the hip without spoilers first? I want to. Try, I'm going to try this, which is just the the, the like book Twitter like book youtube thing is like here's 30 seconds. I'm going to talk about oh I really like this or that, and then I'm not. Then after that, you do the, like. So this book, this book, here's what I can say without spoiling anything. This book won me over, um, after a long period of really wrestling with feeling like it's kind of a mess, feeling like it's, 
directionless, feeling like it, it, it doesn't know what it's doing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And when when people have sold this book to me, I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, well, I can't, I can't even tell you, like, like." You just have to read it. It's the Lesbian Necromancer's book, and you have to read it, because if I tell you what it's about, I'm going to spoil something. And I don't think that's intentional. Um, I I think that that is, like, a flaw of the book. And I think... Because <laughs> there's nothing to spoil for most of the book. The The book spends a long time treading water and... The thing that I'll say is that when the book won me over, it wasn't... Sometimes you're you're watching a movie and you don't... Or reading a book or whatever, and sometimes you don't like it for a while, and then there's there's a twist halfway through, or there's a really cool action scene, and you're on board for the rest of the way. Yeah. (laughs) Ruby. Like, you're like, oh, I hate this. And then something cool happens, and you're on board for a little while. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. The thing to to this book's credit is that it is a more gradual thing. It's that, like, the book just starts to develop more and more gradually into a thing that I really like. Toward the end, I think this book is, like, great. You know? On Goodreads, I rated this book three stars. Because, but if I had only rated, like, past a certain point in the book, I would have rated it five stars. Like, I think it, it mm-hmm. really gets very good. Just takes a very long time to become that good. Yeah, and I was very frustrated at that. It feels like this isn't the story that the author wants to tell. Yes, it feels like a prequel. Yes, it feels like the hook of this book, like the hook of the ending for this book, is the first idea that she wanted to write. So it feels like this is the backstory you get ten years after the first book is published, and you're like, well, I need like a little bit more cash. I'll go back and I'll, ri- I'll write the, the like, prequel for the character's backstory. And let's, let's move into um, spoiler territory now. I w- I'm, if you don't want to know about Gideon the Ninth, if you don't want to know, we'll just, we're going to start talking about the whole What's thing. What's your quick one sentence? Like, actually, what is this? This is the problem, is that I don't have a one sentence thing. Okay. Um, so, so, on Just King Things, they do plot in five sentences. Um, oh, that's easy. So, a sentence can be as long as you want, need it to be. <laughs> I know what semicolons are. You've got one now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gideon the Ninth is an orphan on, um, a planet called the Ninth, which is also an aristocratic house. Um, and she is childhood rivals with Harrow, uh, who is the heir apparent to the ninth house. Sentence one. Sentence two. One day, as Gideon is trying to escape, Harrow Hark... <laughs> That's her name. You said it right. I did say it right. One day, as Gideon is trying to escape, Harrow Hark uh, thwarts her escape attempt and says... No, you're going to come with me because the uh, emperor has summoned us to his, like, to what turns out to be, like, a facility where they are going to train to become, like, the hands of the emperors. These are lictors. 
They are just like ultra powerful necromancers. And they live for 10,000 years. And they live for, for a very, very long time. Um, they get there. They're told that they're going to train to become lictors. This is sentence three now, by the way. And um, Gideon spends a long time taking a vow of silence. Um, which is just an excuse for us to meet all of the characters who have very long names from the other from the other houses there are, I guess because the first house is the emperor and the ninth house we already know so there's seven other houses to get to know and the the, the first house does have representatives in the form of like the caretakers of the mm-hmm. of the palace sentence 4 um it is revealed that there is like a facility below where they're all living and eating and doing their thing uh socializing that has a bunch of trials for them to do that are like you have to have a necromancer and a cavalier working together and you're going to learn all these sorts of new principles of necromancy so that um you can become a lictor sentence five it turns out this was a thing like it turns out that this was like both a horror and a mystery the whole time as there was secretly someone impersonating someone else who's been killing them all off uh, and there's like two parlor scenes and she reveals herself to be one of the lictors who is trying to come here to kill the emperor. I missed a lot. Yeah, you picked some interesting things to focus on with your five sentences. Would you like me to try? Yeah, I don't know how to summarize this book. It's <laughs> not easy to summarize because it's kind of a mess. Yeah, well, sentence one is that... Gideon Nav is an orphan living on the Ninth, which is a uh, decrepit planet full of skeletons and nuns, which she uh, has been seeking to leave her entire life, and which uh, has always been thwarted by Harrowhark Nona Jesimus, who is the heir of the Ninth family, which is dead because they killed themselves a long time ago and have been puppeted corpses ever since, which means that, um, like, most of the house is old people and there are no children, there are no young people except for Harrow. So um, the house needs a little bit of a renewal in order to become a sort of a... a um, how do I say that without saying the obvious words? Uh, to become uh, uplifted once more <laughs> um, uh, by the emperor. Revitalized. Revitalized. Uh, resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um, because that... <laughs> um, I love you. Which requires um, this summons that they get for a necromancer and a cavalier but um you know her cavalier is uh dumb and fat and sad which same um so he won't be able to go so uh she gets uh gideon to come with her instead and when they get there i'm still on sentence one by the way (laughs) They they meet the necromancers and cavaliers from all the other houses, and 
uh, and start to explore this decrepit palace. And they find these eight trials with eight keys that lead to eight theorems, which are all advanced necromantic theories that, when put together, uh, allows one to come to the mega theorem of Lichterhood, which is to chomp down your cavalier and use them as an eternal battery in your soul, mm-hmm. um, which is not the most fun thing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> sentence two. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. What? Go, go. I'm valid. This works. Go. You go. Could, I could just do the whole thing as one sentence if I really wanted to. Go. Do your thing. Summarize sentence the book. two. Uh, tensions begin to rise as people at some point realize that it could be a competition if they choose to make it a competition. And furthermore, danger starts to escalate when certain uh, forces begin to kill people, which causes paranoia to skyrocket and personalities clash and old rivalries between houses are sort of personified in these characters and it culminates with a series of revelations about the true nature of everything around them and um like everyone dies except for harrow and one of the uh third house necromancers which um they were twins but um and then one of the old lictors was there the whole time and she turns into a dark souls boss she was impersonating someone the necromancer of the seventh house it's a mystery the whole thing's a mystery but we don't get into any mystery until like a third of the way through the book the problem the problem of the book is also god is a man and he's here now at the end yes the problem of the book is that early on, when it's one of the first reveals, is that like uh, Harrow's parents died years ago, and Harrow has been doing a very long weekend at Bernie's routine with her parents. And I thought that was going to be the hook. I thought that there was going to be politicking and and deception. And then the summons happens, and I thought it was going to be the Hunger Games. And it's kind of the Hunger Games, except it's also a mystery because you're you're forging a line. It's it's not a Hunger Games because you don't have the. Ex- it's a Hunger Games in that you have a set of characters and there's two from each place and places different, and so character has place traits, and so they are clashing because of place traits. Yeah, but it's like oh, Silas Octokizeron is like. The really devout religious one who wants to like burn the heretics, and the second house is all was where the military is controlled from. So the second house necromancer and cavalier are always wearing uniforms, mm-hmm. and they this, always talk in harsh like. I th- I think once again I like this book. I think Jameson Muir is bad at foreshadowing, and I think it is detrimental to this book that she is so bad at foreshadowing because i the problem with this book for me is that i didn't know what the hook was i needed the hook i needed the plot to move a little better 
And I don't think that she is able to... I don't think through the whole book that she ever really has an identity for the book that she is clearly conveying to you. The book feels like a mishmash of, like, so many different things. Like, it feels like she had, like, eight ideas that she was excited about and she never made them gel in a real way. I think uh, Harrow is, like, the most exciting character in the book. And, and she disappears for huge chunks of it. She disappears for huge chunks of it. She's, like, always off-screen in, like, a fun way because Harrow can always be doing interesting things off-screen, but also it means that she's off-screen. That's, like, just Schrodinger's character, though. Anytime a character leaves the screen, they could be doing anything cool and, like, come back and have a revelation for the for the audience. Like, I think Harrow is really cool. Uh, also, she's a walking war crime. We didn't mention that she's a walking war crime. Right, because her parents needed her to be a... Um, her parents needed her to be a necromancer, and they needed her to be a powerful necromancer because the house is kind of decaying and falling. Um, and so they sacrificed 200 children to make her a powerful necromancer. Uh, and she calls herself a walking war crime in like one of the most moving scenes of the book. Um, this scene just does... Or, or Gideon and Harrow just have the Titus and Yuda in the pool with the uh, in the pool scene, but like, they don't kiss. But they don't kiss. But they, they specifically kiss. don't kiss the entire book. Yes, because I was like really surprised that these two characters had all this tension and all this like heart to heart <laughs> scenes near the end and this devotion for each other that they came into, they grew into over the course of the book. Yeah. Um, and there was never a kiss or like a, a confession or anything. And all I could think of was like, if this book had come out in 2013, the, this would have been eviscerated for that. We never mentioned that Gideon dies at the end of this book to make yeah. Harrow a lictor. We forgot to bring that up. Yeah. Harrow does eventually perform like the the big sin uh, that they they'll call it um and does become a lictor by uh gideon's sacrifice in order to fight the dark souls boss mm -hmm. but the um like one of the problems of this book is that it is established pretty early on that like it is mentioned early on that 200 kids from the ninth died but it's not mentioned in any type of way in a, in a in a book that was better at this that would feel like here's a big flag we're waving a big red flag i don't remember it ever coming up in the early parts of the story it's not even it's not to my recollection it's never said all of a sudden 200 kids died it's like it's just implied that the 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 ninth house doesn't have anybody under forty. Doesn't have anybody under forty, and and Gideon mentions that there were two hundred kids, and she was the two hundred and first, and now she's the only one. But it's never said, and in in any other book, it would be like this is a big red flag. You, the reader, should be su suspicious of these circumstances. Gideon should say in like chapter two or three. Yeah, there was a very sudden flu that killed everybody between the ages of, like, 0 and 20 in the ninth house. And we, the reader, should be like, what the 
fuck? I think it was zero and like 14. I think it's 18. I think it's 18 is the number. I don't even... I don't think there were any teenagers. Anyway. Could be wrong. Um... And I, I have a lot of criticisms of this book because I feel like it's just it does it's a sloppy book. It's a very sloppy book, but also like the way that Gideon and Harrow grow together over the course of the book is great. I think Harrow's a great character. I think there are a lot of other really great characters in this book whose names I can't remember because they're all too long. Um, Who could forget Octokizaron? Uh, Silas Octokizaron and his nephew who's older than him uh or dulcinea septimus dulcinea septimus and protissa laus her her uh secretly dead and puppeted uh cavalier he's been dead the whole book uh then they have like uh palamides sextus Mm -hmm. and his cavalier camilla hecht who also survives this book, but mysteriously can't be found at the end of it. I didn't remember that at all. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff because of like names being long and because of the ending of this book is a little bit of a whirlwind, especially in like the, the descriptions of what's actually physically happening. Um, I I had a pretty consistent problem throughout the whole book of like, wait, how did Harrow and Gideon are in this room having this conversation all of a sudden. But how did they get to this room? Why did they come to this room? Why did Hera want to talk to this person? Why did Gideon want to, like... Why is Gideon now palling around with this guy from the third? Like, what what brought them together and, like, to this alliance? Like, I couldn't... Hera there are a lot of details that are really hard to keep straight in my head Hera in this book. and Hera start off as, like, kind of co-workers. And then mm-hmm. by the end of the book, they're kind of friends. And they would never say that. Mm-hmm. Because um, the sixth house is apparently all Sundares, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Between Palamides uh, and Camilla, we also um, we had a really long conversation about this book yesterday. When I was maybe two hours from finishing it, and it turns out that that was maybe the best time to have a conversation about this book because we had a conversation right when. Uh, it is revealed that someone that Dulcinea Septimus has, or no, 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 that's not what we that's, had to. Come. No, because that's the that's the next. That's the next twist. There was like the first twist was that Protesilaus mm-hmm. had always been dead, because yes. Gideon finds his head in Harrow's closet, mm-hmm. and is like, "Hey, what the fuck?" So when we had a conversation last night. The twist that I had just gotten to was that someone someone figured out the secret of being a lictor, which is um, that you have to, like, kill your cavalier and, like, absorb their soul into your body. The whole reason that cavaliers duel each other with rapiers instead of anything else is because rapiers are light enough that even a necromancer can wield them. Mm-hmm. So that, which is dumb, but okay. And so, um, when we had talked, there was, like, who's that character? Ianthe. Ianthe. Ianthe was doing her big villainess speech about, like, oh, she's, like, swirling wine. She's not, but, like, she is. She's swirling wine, and I imagine, I imagine her as Priscilla the Crossbreed, and she's, like, 
She's more like the the queen from Kanehurst. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you simpletons! I've been like, I've been manipulating things from the from behind the scenes the whole time, and I. Take I was just so smart. I figured all this stuff out without even going into the liquor chambers, and. We had a long conversation about all my problems with the book at that at that point in time, and all the things that I liked about this book. Um, the things that I like about this book are mostly that it's entertaining and that the character work is pretty good when you can remember who the characters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrow is a great character. Gideon is a good character. Um, How do you feel about those dreadful teens? I love those teens. Fucking rip. <laughs> Fucking rip to those teens. They killed the kids in this one. Um, it's very funny that she calls them the teens. Yeah, even though she is also a teen. Harrow is also like... Harrow's 17 and Gideon is 18. Anyway, so we had this conversation last night, and then the stuff that I read today, the last two-ish hours of the book, or we had this conversation two nights ago, and then what I read yesterday, the last two-ish hours of the book, um, is extremely... And now we are setting up the sequel. It's almost like uh-huh. that Ianthe scene is the last scene of Gideon the Ninth, and then the rest of the book is the start of Harrow the Ninth. Because like the rest of that is when you find out that Dulcinea was always actually Cerithia or Cythria. I don't remember her name. She's one of the original lictors from ten thousand years ago, and she's here because she wanted to draw the Emperor. Who is God, who is also an emperor. They call him the the emperor who became God, the God who became emperor a lot. Hmm. Um, she wants to draw him back to the first. That's the planet, is the first. Yeah, Dominicus um, the system. Because that will enable his death. Mm-hmm. Through means that are kind of explained in the beginning of Harrow the Ninth, right? Because there's because at the beginning of Harrow the Ninth, he sits Harrow down and said, "Here is threat. Mm-hmm. Threat exists in setting. Mm-hmm. This is what he- threat can do. Mm-hmm. Um, threat can kill me. <laughs> we fight threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the concept of what that is is really cool." And I hope that it remains cool when it actually shows up, because the idea is neat. You and me are are critics who talk about themes a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you describe Gideon the Ninth as a book that has themes? Yeah, everything has themes. What what themes would you describe Gideon the Ninth as having? Gideon the Ninth is about connections between people and the barriers that prevent them, whether they are societal or traumatic. And what it takes to cross those barriers and to establish bonds between people and friendships and relationships with people. And how people can do that maliciously or earnestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's exploring relationships between people from different cultures. um, Especially cultures that might have had grudges against each other. It's also about um, judging a person based on the culture that they came from. Um, and it's all about, like, people, um, like, establishing relationships, whether those are malicious or, um, in good faith, and being manipulated by people, and, 
the uh, judging people. I think that's interesting. That's way more interesting than anything I had thought about the themes of this book because I probably earnestly would have described this as a book without themes. I think it's got plenty of themes in it. Like the whole thing is like Gideon meeting all of the other characters, and you see that like oh the the fifth house is two is like a husband and wife, and they are sort of foster parents for the fourth house necromancer and. Uh, Cavalier, who are the teens. Um, the eighth house doesn't like the ninth because the ninth house was never meant to be a house. And the eighth is like the the really religious house. And they have like... Silas is very devoted to certain ideals. And his Cavalier is very devoted to different ideals that sometimes clash. The second house is the most fashy. Oh, extremely. Like, the whole thing is fascism, but um, the second house is the house that controls the military, which is called the cohort, and, like, they try to just take control of the situation multiple times and in different ways. Um, Eventually that backfires when they try to kill Yoda, and Yoda uh, is actually an amalgamation of... 500 souls? To try to kill Yoda? Teacher. Oh. Teacher who, I, in my head, I, was is the dungeon master from the D&D cartoon. I 100% <laughs> did not understand what was going on with Teacher. Teacher and all the priests were created the same way that Harrow was, but on a bigger scale. Okay. They were puppets, and so, like, the skeletons were not constructs the way that Harrow makes constructs that are skeletons. The skeletons in the first palace are actually people inhabiting skeletons. Mm. That's why they move so fluidly and everything. Um, Yeah, I think that there's plenty going on, and then at the end it kind of dips into power and, like, seeking personal power, if that is... When that personal power is tied to, like, becoming part of the machinations of the state. And we haven't dug into that yet because that's what the sequel's about. The sequel is going to be about the Emperor as a character. And, like, he is a god and he is a king. And he resurrected nine planets that had died. Mm. And presumably all the people had died too. Like, literally, physically, those planets have been resurrected, as in rebuilt from scratch. Mm-hmm. So, that's something. And now, it's also, like, this is the end of a 10,000 year cycle um, that seemingly needs to be re-upped. Mm-hmm. Um, things are not looking good, and the lictors are dying off. So that's why he needs new lictors. Um... There's stuff. There's plenty going on. There's like, yeah, you know. I'm I'm very hopeful about Harrow the Ninth. I yeah. I really. Harrow the Ninth so far has had a lot of stuff that I'm like, cautious of, and I'm willing to see how it plays out. Um, I don't know how many people are still in like, mental illness representation brain. 
that they were in when like Split came out, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, Harrow has some really, really big, really dramatic um, mental illnesses that I'm interested to see how their portrayal pans out and if this is a Brandon Sanderson magic disability thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's like just regular like mental illness. I have no idea yet. It seems maybe a little bit mystical. Um, I feel... Uh, sorry. I feel hopeful about Harrow just because I do think that she's like the best character in the book and the Gideon the Ninth is a book that starts coming together in the end and I almost I almost wonder like if she's writing the end of that book and learning lessons about writing that like she's going to carry forward into the next book I mean we can always hope but it's only been a year between books like yeah um you can always hope that the that a creator can like learn from the weak points of their work, but if they haven't had time to reflect on them or like absorb criticism on it, then I'm yeah, I'm I'm I feel very hopeful about Hair of the Ninth. I yeah. feel uh, I also the other thing, um one podcast I listened to, someone was reading both of these books and mentioned that after finishing Harrow, he went and reread Gideon, and I think I might end up doing that. And I think probably on reread, I'm going to like Gideon a lot better. I think Gideon will probably work a lot better as a book once I know the shape of it, once I know what's coming, once I can, like, be paying attention to the right details, once I can remember a bunch of things that I just had so much trouble remembering while while reading this book. And that's not usually an issue for me. I can usually follow a pretty complicated plot. I think that a lot of things are just foreshadowed and, and explained poorly and, and seeded poorly. But I think once I know what to look out for, Gideon the Ninth will be a much better book that I will think much more highly of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's a positive in the same way that, like, when I replay Dark Souls, I like Dark Souls more because now it's a comfort food thing, whereas I think Gideon the Ninth will make sense to me <laughs> mm-hmm. on reread. Um also, we have done this whole podcast, and we have never talked about the, like, very, quote-unquote, meme voice of this book. The back of Harrow the Ninth even advertises that it has a choice selection of memes in it. Like, care, like did you catch the one where she's, where, where Silas Octokizaron, the, like, eternal wet blanket, just grimly informs Gideon... That Glorica died on her way back to her home planet. Mm-hmm. Or when um, they talk about you studied the sword, studied yes. the blade. Um, beyond just beyond just like the actual memes that show up, which I think are actually few and far between. Um, Tamsin Mir pretty evidently wrote a pass of everything. And then busted out her thesaurus and wrote a second pass of everything because she clearly like every every time she had a noun she's like oh I've used that noun in the past fifty pages gotta find a new one and she's just like busted out the thesaurus coming up with like the most like funny witty like wordplay 
like, um, stuff. For a long time, I thought it was a gimmick, and then I think toward the end of this book, it actually starts to help tell the story better, mm-hmm. which I think is really, rem- I, I think it's actually really remarkable. I think that is, like, a great strength of the book. I think that is, like, I, I thought it was a gimmick, and it becomes a lot more than that, and I, like, I, I want to give all the props to her for, for, like, making that part of the story in a way that I didn't think she could. I think that's, like, I think that's stellar. I think that, like, I can't say enough about how good that stuff is in the book. Um, and also, like, it is entertaining. Like, some of it, you might, you might read it and think it's cringe. I think it's just genuinely entertaining most of the time. Um, it's goofy fun. It's the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, if, if you like this humor, you like this humor. If you don't like this humor, you don't like this humor, you know? Tamsin Muir is a person who liked Doom 2016. Yeah. Yeah. She might have even liked Doom Eternal. Possible. Um It's like not it's not it's not like that. But like sh- the Emperor is called the Necrolord Prime. That fucking rules. <laughs> also, I'm one hundred percent convinced that um Tamsin Mir really likes Mistborn and Tombs of Atuan. I think those are two books that she adores. Mm-hmm. Um Just saying. Harrow is just a character from Tombs of Atuan. I won't say which character, but she is just a character from Tombs of Atuan. Um, I think that's I think that's everything. This was a very unstructured conversation because I think the book is poorly structured. Yeah, much I as think, I, uh, it's it's not like a thing I can get mad at ideologically, which is usually what I'm used to after playing Mass Effect. Um. It's, you know, the thing that I keep seeing about Harrow, people use the phrase lost girls, like it's about lost girls or like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that Harrow and Ianthe can bro out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really want them to bro out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one more quick thought. Um, it, I think this, because I, I thought of this earlier in the conversation, I think this book is really sold on being the representation. And, and um, I guess it is the representation because literally everybody in this book is a lesbian, even though none of them are saying it. Um, I, I mean, we should always challenge when things are sold to us by representation. And, but also... Mm-hmm. This one especially, I think, that misses the point of the book. Well, I the thing that I want to say is that if you want to sell this book as the representation, I think you have to also reckon with the fact that I, characters do not get a lot of physical description, but I believe that all of these characters are like, beautiful white women with blue eyes and blonde hair or dark hair and blue eyes or i know that some of them they're definitely not all white um but i will say that the only fat character is uh ordas what is his name ostas ostas the uh traditionally would be the cavalier of the ninth he's Mm. he's the fat guy he's 
His dad is described in Harrow the Ninth as he would we he would cry if he could figure out how to do it. That's what he looks like. <laughs> like these are just a line of sad fat dudes, sad fat dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, he's a joke because he's like weak and weepy and mm-hmm. fat. Yeah, uh, there's definitely there definitely aren't any other fat folks on the in the main book, and some characters are um not quite described like or are described in ways where I'm like I'm not 100 percent sure where you're going with this. I know that Palamides is drawn as black a lot. Okay. Um, I have no recollection of like what the book says but i just i just the one that i really recall is is i know how harrow looks and i know how corona beth looks and i know that um gideon has a type which is like girls with long golden hair you know ianthe is um is pale in like a deathly way but uh, Silas Octokizeron is the one who's described as walking mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of like wispy, pale, like yeah. She but, looks, you know, Dark Souls characters. Dark Souls. Characters. This is a Dark Souls book. <laughs> this is a Dark Souls book. It's a decrepit palace with suspicious characters roaming around, getting up to stuff. Yeah, there's skeletons. The phrase, the word skeletonized is used multiple times as if it's a normal word, mm-hmm. which I don't think it is. No. But yeah, um, this is, it's weird. We, I, I spend a lot of this conversation being very harsh on this book that I enjoy. Yeah. I mean, that's sometimes what you do. That's just like, what you do. It is worth mentioning that, like, if you're going to sell this on the representation, it's like, representation for who? Mm-hmm. Um, which is like... Whatever. I don't care. Representation is a fake concept. But, like... It's also, like, the main characters wear skull face paint. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a real-world thing. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. That's, like, a thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's drawn differently in fan art than, like, the real-world... Mm-hmm version of that but that is a thing that is real in our world and has a cultural context that does not present in Gideon the Ninth. like they're you know just worth worth being aware of and like thinking about where some things mm-hmm. these things come from and like how they're used I don't have that much more to say I think it was neat Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending was really interesting because I, I have a thing where I really like super soldiers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, being getting our Dumbledore at the end. Um, yeah. Hera walking around with a shirt that says, Met God, he's black. Um, <laughs> he is. Is he? Okay. I didn't recall. That. I'm pretty sure. That's cool. Um, but, you know. Nora, where can people find you online? Twitter.com slash neither Nora nor Blake dot online. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, I also didn't realize on the cover that Gideon was wearing sunglasses until they mentioned it in the book, and then I noticed that she was I didn't, uh, I, wearing I sunglasses. Oh, that's cute. 
Also on the spine. The, I love her. The skull on the spine has uh, sunglasses. I love her. I simply love her. Uh, I normally love her. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Okay, I'm going to go to work. Bye. Bye. <laughs>